Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Joe. Hey, Matt. How are you? I am doing well. So thank you for joining us today. You are a, a very busy local business person and San Francisco resident. What brought you to San Francisco? My partner at the time and I lived in New York and we always loved vacationing in San Francisco. And I was working in an investment bank that got acquired. And so I was bought out of my contract. And two weeks later, he got promoted to a job at Adobe that they wanted done from San Jose. So we came out for his job in San Jose. What year was this? 1998. The height of the dot-com bubble. Right. So before it had burst, right? Like this was the first, you know, peak San Francisco real estate experience. What was the first neighborhood you lived in when you moved here? Midtown Terrace. Uh, And had you looked at neighborhoods or spent much time in the city before arriving or how did you end up in Midtown Terrace? We ended up in Midtown Terrace because we had a set of requirements that now that I look back were sort of silly because we had come from a co-op in New York. So we wanted to have our own house that didn't touch anybody else's house. And there's not many of them in San Francisco. Midtown Terrace offers a really great selection of that. Every single house in that neighborhood is fully detached. That was one (laughs) of the selling points when they developed it. But I loved it up there, but you couldn't do anything. When you went home, you were home. So did you have some particularly obnoxious experiences living in a co-op in New York City that made you emphatic about wanting a single family home that didn't touch or kind of what? what No, it's just that it was loud because we lived literally the... It was a big apartment. It was a really beautiful apartment. Nine windows around the corner. The corner, however, was 23rd Street and 8th Avenue. So there were buses on both sides and a subway underneath. And basically, it was never quiet. So we figured we'd have quiet if we had our own house. You found quiet. We we you know, we could hear the electric bus a couple blocks away. <laughs> Did you I am not kidding. About that electric I am bus? not kidding. Like <laughs> the next door neighbors asked us to make the noise less from our hot tub when it turned the filter on it. You know, six in the morning. <laughs> it was too loud. So did you did you enjoy Midtown Terrace? I did. We liked it a lot. We were um, I was living there and working down in San Jose for a lot of the time. So it was a great back when you could commute to San Jose without spending two hours. It was about fifty five minutes. It was fifty five minutes each way, and uh, it really worked well for us. So when you were planning to move to San Francisco as a gay man, did you want to live in the Castro at all? Like, did it attract you or disattract you, or you were different? Well, we would we would have loved it, but even then it was more than we wanted to spend. So it, it was more about like having the property type you wanted than right. the location. Right. Okay. Which I've since changed my mind about that. I think location is more important, but back then property type was more important. So, and you've lived in a couple neighborhoods over the years. Do you have a, a favorite that you lived in? Um, I think right now I'm living in DuPost Triangle and, and this is my favorite because you're close enough to go out to commercial zones like the Castro or the Mission or the lower hate, but you're not living in it. So, and you gave up a car to live in DeBose Triangle. I did. And this is the, you've, um, how is that? How is life in San Francisco without a car in 2019? Except for grocery shopping, which I just don't want to look like the old man with the cart. (laughs) So I will not buy a cart. So except for grocery shopping, I love it. I mean, I thought I would be taking 
10 lifts a month was my estimate and I might do four. So I really don't spend as much on lifts as I thought I would spend. Do you find yourself walking more? I walk so much more. My health app on my iPhone is just loves me. (laughs) Most days I'm doing at least three and a half miles. Well done. So what's different and what's the same about San Francisco since you arrived in 98? Well, I'm not sure if it's different or if it's that I'm walking more, but the pathos of how awful it is for the homeless is just, it's heartbreaking. It's like, it's literally staggering. There's people, and when I make eye contact with them, I just, ugh, I feel so bad because there's nowhere for them to go. There's no toilet. There's no place, nothing. And so they set up and they're, they're obnoxious, you know? So I don't like them, but I feel bad for them. It's the typical... You know, like, what do you do about this? It's like, it's gross. And I mean, as long as I've been in San Francisco, which is a little bit shorter than you, we've always had a homeless problem. But I would agree that like this somehow feels different, you know, and I don't know if it's just density or after 20 years of listening to politicians say, you know, hope is right around the corner and we're like, never turn in that corner. So is that different or the same? (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure if it's, it seems worse, yeah. but I think it might seem worse because I'm in it more. Gotcha. So I'm not exactly sure. So are there any things about San Francisco that haven't changed that you're glad haven't changed? Um, yeah. People are more human to each other here. Like we're not always nice to people, but people are generally nicer here. Nicer might be the wrong word, but they take time for other people in, in a way that I don't find in a lot of other places. And the gay guys are definitely nicer to each other here than any place I've ever lived. So is there anything that's left San Francisco that you miss, like a, a building, a shop, a store, or whatever it might be? You're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> Sex clubs. <laughs> Why do I have to edit the house? <laughs> like but, literally everything's closing. And um, so all the alternative things that made being here as a gay man have sort of started to disappear, have started to disappear, not sort of, it has started to disappear. And uh, it's becoming like what happened to New York under Giuliani. Everything just became bland. The Disneyification of the Castro, right? You know, is it a neighborhood that tells a story about gay men and civil rights? Or is it a theme park where everything is rainbow colored with flags? To the same extent, you know, I mean, south of Market used to be leather bars and sex clubs. And now they're getting a park. Parklet, really. <laughs> Which I think is great. It's wonderful. No, but I still don't understand mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do at the other park. Well, I think a lot of times we don't understand what the city's doing until it's done. And we're like, oh, this is really nice. Like, you know. I mean, I'm sure it will be a lovely space, but once we're that in space it. ties anyway. Yeah. And, well, the fact that people who bought condos in new buildings that were built long after all these nightclubs were there have been able to shut down nightclubs because of the noise. It's like, people, they were there first. You don't get to move in next door to a nightclub and say, this is too loud. But they do. But they do. They do. (laughs) So um, you live in the city, obviously, and you own a business in the city. Yes. So what do you do? I'm a barber. So I have Joe's Barbershop right on market between Church and Sanchez. And how long has that been a going concern now? It will be 15 years old on September 10th this year. Congratulations. Thank you. 15 years. 15 years as a small business person in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. What's that like? Um, it's improving. It's improving. And unfortunately, it seems to always improve right after I go through whatever administrative hell there is to experience. 
when um, when I opened my first location, I got stuck for six months because there was another permit tied up in the same building. So they froze all permits in that building. Great. And then at this location, I got hit with an $8,000 fee for water. Now, mind you, it wasn't like they were dropping off water. It wasn't (laughs) like they were giving me a meter even. I I share a meter with the building. Or it wasn't like I was going to use a lot of water because they could only classify me as a hair salon. And so businesses pay up front for the improvement to the that we all have bonds on to the improvement to the Hetch Hetchy water system. And I'm like, but I'm a barbershop. We hardly wash 10 heads of hair a week compared to a hair salon, which is using water all the time. Well, that's the only classification we have, so you have to pay it. It's like, okay, well, they fixed that. But not until after I paid. I only had to pay 4000 some, 4800 or something. You know, such a deal. Such a deal. But they only fix it after I go through the hell, so. So your shop is on Market Street, Upper Market. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of talk in the city right now about retail vacancy right. and, and kind of, you know, just the American trend of retail apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like, as a business owner and someone who lives in the city, like, how do you approach that? Or like, what do you think the city should be doing? Or how do we kind of keep these spaces active? Well, I'm really lucky because my business landlord is a businessman who cares about where he is, is my impression. And while the rent is high, he's not giving me increases that would put me out of business, like some of these businesses. But sometimes I hear about, like, I forget what bar it was, but they were all up in arms because they had a 300% rent increase. It's like, okay, what's the new rent? They're like, it's $9,000 a month. And I'm like, you have a bar. And if you can't pay $9,000 a month in rent, you don't deserve to belong in business. And mark up the drinks and water them down. (laughs) What profit are you taking? Like, that's nothing. They were paying $3,000 a month and they're upset. It's like, well, it's a, and it's a big space. So it's like, sometimes it's, we stick with details that don't really accurately reflect. But a lot of the empty spaces here, the, um, Harvest Market, I think is $42,000 a month they want for that space. I don't know how anybody can be in business paying $42,000 a month rent. You know, I mean, that's one of these interesting disconnects is as the price of residential real estate skyrockets, all of these buildings want very high-end retail tenants. But it's not like there's luxury aspirin or, you know, luxury basics, right? I mean... We all just need some right. basic market, you know, basic this, basic that, and how many coffee shops and, you know, kind of like all of the interesting boutique things that, you know, look great in renderings. How many do you really need in a neighborhood? You know, especially when everyone buys most things online at the moment, right. especially, you know, in the city or has them delivered. Um, do you think San Francisco has a housing crisis? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I moved away for just a year. And now I'm back and I was trying to find a place to buy and it's mind-boggling expensive. And uh, our insistence on low-density housing and no vertical growth is the reason. Like, I believe everywhere there's a train, so Market Street, out the L, out the N, the K and the M, everywhere there's a train, we should have at least 10-story apartment buildings lining the path or definitely by every stop. We should have high density by every stop. Then we would have more trains because we would have more people and they could support more trains because there's certainly no parking. So if we have to depend on trains, we should have super high density all along the train route. And if we did that, I think you could get a two-bedroom apartment for a million dollars, not a million six. So the, the city's you know, definitely trying to put a lot more density around transit, but 
every neighborhood in San Francisco seems to think the best place to build something is the other person's neighborhood. Any thoughts about that? Do you just come in as a city and you're like, hey, look, you know, these I, are the rules? Or, I mean, how do, how do you balance that? I mean, I think you it's, Scott Wiener, it's the Scott Wiener that's sort of moving uh, legislatively to pass a bill in Sacramento saying neighborhoods can't do that. He's been working very hard on that yeah. in a variety of approaches, um, yeah. you know, particularly around transit right. and, and density and saying that, you know, if you're within, you know, a quarter or a half mile you just have to, as of right, allow X zoning for, you know, such dense, right. you know, building, not up to 10 stories, right? You couldn't get that far, <laughs> you know, but that's only like within, you know, like approximately that distance to the station. So it's not like all along those transit routes, but he's actually been uh, a great advocate at the state level for building more housing. Right. And, and making and, and make it that. make it near transit. Yeah, because to your point, I mean, there there's no more room for parking and cars. There's there's no more. Room. It's it's just misery. Yeah. So has the experience of buying and selling real estate changed in like the decades that you've been doing it in the city? Not really. It was crazy when we got here in '98. We bid thirty percent over asking for the house we got in 1998. In 1998, thirty percent. Like mind you, that thirty percent was much lower, but still. Coming from the East Coast where you didn't pay 30% well, over Well, coming from the East Coast where they tell you this is the price and you either buy it at that price or you do a little negotiating, but you don't do 30% negotiating and you don't offer more than they're asking. I think they might do that in New York now, but it's certainly not when we did it. Yeah. 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 It's like they said, this is what it costs. We said, great, we'll take it. I mean, it was done. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple offers. Over asking mm-hmm. as far back as, you know, 20 plus years. Yeah. So that is a story. Any other thoughts about San Francisco real estate? San Francisco, it's your soapbox. Uh, I, well, I think we need to go for more density along train routes. I'll just repeat myself. Anywhere there's transit, we should have more density. I'm with you there. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, this has been great. Excellent. Good luck. Esker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com.